Oh, this is the podcast, yeah. No, but really, guys, this is the podcast. This is two chickpeas in a podcast. Hi, hi, Asma. How are you? Hi. I'm very well. I'm I'm excited to talk to you all. We. This is such a big honor for us. You have no idea. Um, I think. One of the reasons why it's such an honor is because I I saw your episode of Chef's Table when it came out a few years ago, and I was so excited that you were the first British chef that they were highlighting, and you're exactly like us. You're a brown woman, and we're proudly um, expediting or sorry showing our culture to to everyone and embracing it and it was just beautiful and it just meant so much because represent representation to us matters so much in a day and age since like the black lives matter movement i feel like there's been a big emphasis on people being more aware of other people's cultures and backgrounds what is something that you want people to take away from your book amu about our culture and heritage I think what I would really want people to understand uh, when they read the recipes, when they go through the book, is how we are all the same. And this hatred and prejudice, unconscious bias, instinct to not trust and feel that you have the right to label people looking at the color of their skin, the accent, their voice, it is, it is so, it doesn't actually, have, there's no logic to it. Because I'm talking about a relationship, a relationship of love, of memories, of childhood, which not everybody can relate to. Mm. But I want them to know that these are the kids who you are studying with, who you're, who's sitting, you're sitting next to on the, on the tube, or who works with you, who is attending to you, who's saving your life. Mm. That even if it wasn't them, their parents had parents like this. And the idea that in some ways that we are seen as inferior or not equal is deeply, deeply concerning. It just shows your ignorance mm-hmm. when you think that you know, a pigment in someone's skin makes them different. When their life experience, they're immersed in exactly the same things that you are that you, they walk on that land that they belong to. No one has a right to tell you where you belong. You should walk on the earth because the earth is embracing you. No one else can tell you this is yours or this is not yours. You don't belong here. Go, go to that side. There is, you walk where you want to walk. So I really, it's a very political uh, message, which I have always talked about food, politics, power, representation, equality. But in Amu, through just literally opening my heart, I want to show you how, you know, th- there is this very famous line from uh, Merchant of Venice uh, by Shylock, uh, you know, who's supposed to be the bad guy in this whole thing. But he talks about, you know, if you prick us, do we not bleed? Mm-hmm. That is the whole thing. That the understanding that there is this normal family life that you can't see, that you don't understand, 
the sacredness of food to all of us. See, even three generations after you, they will have, they will know the taste of their great grandmother's food because it has been passed on. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't know how to cook, you'll make sure that someone around you, you don't even have to have children, but I'm talking about the movement down the generations of people where with the stories comes the soundtrack of their life, the Kishore Kumar, the Lata Mangeshkar, with the soundtrack and the Sabri brothers, the Kavali, the wedding songs, you know, the uncle who dances really badly. Many generations later, another uncle will do equally bad dances in a wedding. This is part of our heritage, but our food is a very important part of it. Yeah. And Ammu is really that, that it shows us. It is about me and Ammu, but it's about all of us. Yeah. It is about all of us because we all have exactly the same relationship with some person in their life, even if it's not their mother, but a carer, a nourisher in all our lives. So the book, this book is a very personal story, but it's also very political. I would say so. And even just looking at um, like the cover of your gorgeous book, which is textured and it's warm and inviting and it feels secure and it feels safe. And speaking about the power of food, you know, your, your ethos, how food is a language of love. And it feels like, Omu, you're getting that universal love that you would get from a mother. And that's the only way that I feel I can describe it when looking at the recipes. Yeah, and the thing is, the fabric, uh, sorry, just talking about the cover. Uh, this is that whole thing where torn saris are stitched together with these very basic uh, motives. And this is what you, her, me are doing all the time. We're stitching together the fabrics of our life and we put this front, we hold things together. Our mothers have done this for, gen for generations mm -hmm. and your mother is doing it now at the moment as well. You know, those who are lucky enough still to have their mothers in their lives. Your mother is doing this to your life. She's stitching together the fabrics of your life, putting this motive, holding it together, giving it new life and purpose. And this book is really about that, that you recognize the strength of the mother, but also you recognize female power, the Shakti. That's in all of us. Whether you're a mother or not, you have it in you. And that comes across so well, and I think in everything you do, in, in your food, and in, in the way that you interview, in the way that you write so eloquently. And I just, honestly, I feel like I could listen to you for hours yeah. and hours, the way that you, you talk. It's just... And just going back to when you were saying about how we're passing things down generations, actually like I feel I feel as though I'm not going to be as great to cook as my mom and I'm not going to replicate you know for example a simple rajma she'll be like can you make that today and I'm like mom I don't want to do that anymore because I don't want to do that because it's not going to be the same as your rajma do you feel the same or do you feel like you have made your own recipes your own because I I read in your book you said you know once I've I've written the recipe, but once you make it, it's yours. Yes. Do you feel, do you feel like you've tweaked your own Amu's recipes? Maybe not in that extent, because I, I think that because I cooked from memory, mm. I was desperately, and also because my mother has given so bad at giving instructions on how to make anything. Thora said this, Thora said that. You don't know what Thora is. Thora means what? Yeah. Thora can mean anything from anything. Yeah. So because she's so bad, this is why I had to, really recreate so that 
everybody else could recreate. Now that I've written it, I know people can tweak around with it. I think what your mother makes and you, even if you're cooking side by side, will be different because the touch is different. Mm -hmm. Your fingerprints are unique. You are touching something. Your senses, you know, is it smelling okay? Your taste buds. Mm -hmm. It is such a personal thing. I think people who cook don't understand this. The most expensive ingredient is your time that you're putting into that dish. You can buy that rajpa again. What about that time, that little bit of tasting that you did, the tweaking that you did? You perfected it to what you thought is right for you. How much more personal can it be than I eat this, you say, I made the rajma for you. This is such an emotional exchange. And because all our mothers and grandmothers made it look so effortless, we have forgotten how to appreciate it. And this is what I hope that the book will also open up your eyes that, oh yes, you know, let's look at what she's doing. Let's thank her. Let's understand that this whole idea that you come in. My mother would not ask me how I was. She said, she used to ask me, what do you eat? (laughs) And that a whole lifetime of love was this thing that, you know, what can, what do you want to eat? I want to feed you, sit down. And she'd feed me and she'd watch me. Mm-hmm. Very simple. And she, her mother never talked to her about love. She didn't talk to me that I love you or I think you're great. Never said all of this. Mm-hmm. But I felt it in her food. So when someone eats something and even if you've tweaked it or whatever it is, I can tell you one thing. My son, it's not everything he makes is great, but I love everything he makes. And he's getting better. And I feel uh, valued when he, I, he cooks for me, which is very strange. Yeah. And I, I try not to get too emotional because I don't want to scare him that you know, he may not cook again. But it, it is something wonderful to cook. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this because I'm a cook. And I'm not saying because I wrote a cookbook. I think everyone will understand this. There is something so intimate in when you cook someone and so much labor and then the washing up make sure someone else does the washing up (laughs) if you cook make someone else wash up like you said it's a love language isn't it it's it's, yes but especially in in Indian culture I would say because it is so true I don't I don't feel like we as a culture are very good at expressing our feelings to one another or verbally expressing that or even just affectionately hugging each other but the one thing that and it is so predominant in Indian culture is is food that is the language of of everything that you do together for celebrations for sad times for just midweek dinners or you've got an auntie coming over they're giving you half an hour notice okay what can I quickly whip up because there has to be something you give no, and the thing is that you cannot, I, I have, don't remember going to visit anyone, even if it is like with hardly any warning, without eating something or drinking something or they've made something for me. This is how we honor. We, you know, I come from a different tradition, but in India, we put food at the feet of gods and goddesses. Mm. We start any kind of auspicious event with the food and the symbolism of, you know, in some cultures is prasad, but even just looking at the Sikh culture, the langar, just look at what that is, that you feed everybody. We feed with respect in a place of worship, this sense of equality, food is used. How, I can tell you everyone who comes to my doorstep is equal. I cook a huge amount of food and I feed everyone irrespective of who they are. That is a stronger statement 
than any political comment, language, posters you put up. That I cook for you. I will not ask you who you are. I will not ask you what your journey is. And I will not ask you where you're going from here. You sit down, I give you roti and adal, and you are as honored as the person next to you. Very strong, very strong language food is. And it is something that we should all use. If, you know, till the time that we actually move to that generation of children and people who can actually say things like, I value you, I respect you, I honor you. Use food. I couldn't agree more. And I can't wait to try some of your recipes as well. I was so happy to see, I know we touched upon this briefly, but there was a picture in your in your lovely book and you can see your original notebook with all your notes. And I was so surprised to see quantities because like we said, like oh, so many of our aunties eyeball everything. And I think that was like a almost like a fear factor when it comes to cooking Indian food because I was like I have no idea what I'm doing with any of this and my aunties my mom no one will tell me what how much of something do I put in I just yeah it's just something that I've I've found across all Indian cooking but as I've grown older and I have done a few recipes here and there I eyeball I don't I don't measure it it is just it comes at this it is part of how we all learn how to cook and eventually you'll be able to write it as well down the recipes because Once you work it out, you work it out. And another thing, I just could honestly talk about you in art all day long. I'm not exaggerating that. You're honestly such an inspiration. As someone, you know, two women who feel so passionately about being women, we adore the way that you you love the women in your life. You recognize everything that they've done for you. You're quite unique in the sense that you have quite a strong female staff and team behind you in an industry that is ironically so male-driven, mm-hmm. especially because in Indian culture, women are the homemakers. You would be in the kitchen. That would be your, your role. Like men yeah. wouldn't necessarily always like to associate themselves with, you know, cooking in the home. Um, what is something you think would maybe change the industry to allow more women to come in? Because I feel like you're someone who's actually breaking barriers in, in that regard, in terms of having females in the industry. I think we need to have more females in positions of power. Mm-hmm. Because so they, they decide on recruitment, they decide on promotion, they decide on wages. And they also decide on how someone is dealt with the process of uh, investigation when there are allegations of abuse and racism. This doesn't happen in the kitchens. Mm. And you might see the occasional woman as the hostess in the front. You might see them as pastry chefs here and there. The problem is the women are few and far between. They're spread out in, in, a, in, a, in a restaurant, in hotels. They almost role play. You'll find women more in doing something than others. You'll never find a female sommelier. Very rare to find a female head chef mm-hmm. and very rare to find a sole female founder like mm-hmm. I am. And the problem is when you're working for a family firm or you're working for a, for a conglomerate, you don't have that authority. So the change will happen if we find more women who actually, not just, I'm talking about restaurants, any kind of industry, women need to be founders. They need to be the ones calling the shots. Mm-hmm. Power matters, money matters. That is where we all have to be very brave. There's nothing dirty about money. A lot of Indians carry this burden as well. Some people are, oh, they're always money-minded. The other person, let's not talk about money. Let's talk about money because with money will come power and authority. Let's create businesses. And that's when you can actually make the change so that the generation coming after us have loads of role models to look at, not a few.
And I know that you began your food career in 2012. We're in 2022. So a strong decade of you being in this industry, growing to be the amazing Asma Khan of Darjeeling Express. What is something that you would tell 2012 Asma? I would have told myself then not to lower the prices of everything, not to be so low in confidence that I thought that no one would buy my things. Too many women do this even now, that they think that this is not worth it. Let me undercut. Let me do this for exposure. Let me do this huge amount of work for free for exposure. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Demand your price. Price yourself high. Value yourself. Yes. Because we. I still do it today. Ten years down the line, I'm always constantly saying, is this too expensive? Am I asking too much? Am I doing, you know, should I be doing more uh, for someone because they've done this for me? This constant need that you feel that you are not good enough, mm. 10 years down the line, with all the success I have, I still carry this with me. So really, we need to break this. And we tie ourselves in shackles. Yeah. It's in our hands. We break the chains. We free ourselves and demand respect for who we are. Beautiful. And I, I couldn't echo what you said enough. I feel like a lot of women don't have that inner voice in them to say, oh, like, am I doing this okay? And, am I valuable enough you know am I worthy of this but you are so inspirational in that regard and I like I said I honestly couldn't say enough amazing things about you um thank you so much for joining us in two chickpeas in a podcast we love are, you I can't wait to come to Darjeeling Express and eat the please entire come. menu yes I'm the coming. supper club we're coming you'll yes, recognize please. us hopefully you'll recognize me because I'll be the one opening the biryani come and say hi we <laughs> will be there I listen I'll, I'm gonna make that that's the one thing in this recipe book I want to make is the chicken biryani I'll bring you some absolutely do that you please do that uh, <laughs> absolutely take care thank you very much thank, thank you so much thank, thank, you. You. thank you take care <laughs>